welcome to AIJCast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. On this episode, part two of our conversation with Jeremy Green. Jeremy is a pastor and a poet, and we got a chance to sit down in the AIJCast studio. We pick up our conversation talking about the lenses of faith and poetry. If we talk about inclusion, it's a great, you know, way to look at the world and a way and question to ask. Yeah. So what does the lens of faith say about inclusion? What does the lens of poetry say about inclusion? Um what does the lens of faith say about inclusion? I think that the lens of faith, specifically Christian faith, might uh inspire a person who is of a certain social class to sit at a well with somebody who they're supposed to be diametrically opposed to, right? That sounds familiar. Right. And so, something <laughs> like that, right? Right. John um, 4, yeah. And I think maybe the lens of poetry um, talks about your experience as the person who is in power, right? Mm. And uh, how it might relate to their feelings, emotions, experiences, right? Mm. Uh, because um, one thing that we were taught uh, at Candler, specifically when talking about the Psalms, this right? Is seminary. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Candler uh, School of Theology at Emory. One thing we were talking about poetry um, from a biblical perspective is that um, with poetry, when you're reading, uh, sometimes uh, how something is said is more important than what is said, mm. right? Mm. And so it, it it affects how you get at framing this encounter. Yeah. And what in what uh, what uh, impact this encounter is intended to have when mm-hmm. it's retold and retold? Can you think of an example of that? Um, so an example of my from my own life, I was just budding as a minister, somebody who had expressed to everyone a call to ministry, right. as my grandfather's life and health were declining, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we even though he kind of always knew it was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had had conversations, but not so such explicit conversations. And my grandfather only ever gave me one explicit piece of advice as a minister in his mm-hmm. entire life. Right. Even though we were so close, mm-hmm. even though we were mm-hmm. inseparable, he said, Jeremy, don't be weak. And in the moment, I didn't ask him to clarify. Mm-hmm. It's just something. It was just a yes, sir. Mm-hmm. In the moment. But kind of um, growing and coming in contact with different influences, uh, the way I framed what he said kind of came into question. Mm. So, so, so there's a poem I wrote about kind of saying, all right, so when you told me don't be weak, were you telling me that boys don't cry mm. or to meet each tear of the broken heart with one of my own? Mm. Like what was what were you saying? Were you saying that um, that that I have to shroud myself in this uh, this traditional masculinity, or were you saying I have to go to the hard part, to the hard places with people, no matter how hard it is to go? Where real strength is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've been kind of left with that echoing question, mm. uh, and, it, and it's interesting. Some a friend of mine asked, well. As you juggle this question, you have to ask yourself: if it was if it was your sister who was called to ministry, would your grandfather have said the same thing? Mm. Um, and mm. I think that that's an interesting question, and that's that an is. interesting once again lens, right? Yeah, to view that experience and to view that question through. Yeah, um, 
so yeah, that's that's an example. I think that the lens of faith or like his experience as a faith leader leader to sure. a growing faith leader, right? It was sure. like, hey, don't be weak, right? Be uh, possibly be strong in the Lord, right? Right. And right. that's what that's a lens Look of to faith, the Lord right? for your strength. Yeah, yeah. Sure, right. Yeah. And so, and so poetry wants to ask questions of that faith statement of that statement, right? It wants to say, what did you mean, and to make meaning of it. Yeah. I love that example. It's so rich. And this whole notion of how you say it matters almost as much as what you say yeah. or even more. Yeah. It, it it makes me think of the lens of the parables. Mm. But the the lens of the parables, part of it is this um what I've what I've learned in, in studying the parables is this intentional ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Almost every single time Jesus finishes a parable, it doesn't finish with a nice little ethical button. Yeah. It finishes with the story on a cliffhanger. Mm, When the prodigal son comes back and the older son gets angry and goes out and the father goes out to meet the older son, we don't know how the older son responds. It's a cliffhanger, Mm. right? So to me, that lens of parable opens up a world of possibilities for faithful response yeah. as opposed to this is the way you do it yeah that's um, the gray yeah you know what i mean yeah. like it, it it i think that um it's way more comforting to think about faith as a thing that operates in blacks and whites or in rights and wrongs mm-hmm. you know what i mean um because then i know always this it's a catch-all and i can apply it to everything right yeah this is right all the time this yeah. is wrong all the time but that's not the, the way that life works no and that's not the way the scripture communicates navigating life yeah. right it's yeah. way harder to navigate life through a lens of gray right that makes you actually be a human being and yeah. encounter and encounter issues the way they come your way yeah you know what i mean to ask questions about what is right what is wrong what is loving what's a loving response here mm-hmm. right is mm-hmm. it to close my doors in this situation or is it or is a loving response to open my door and hear the story of the person at the door right you know right what I mean? yeah so by the time people hear this episode you're about to yeah go through a transition in ministry oh, for sure for sure let's talk about that yeah so uh I, for the last year or so, have been working as an associate director at the Westie Foundation of Georgia Tech, which yeah. is just like Methodist campus ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Which has been super cool. I mm-hmm. love the kids, um, it, or the students for that matter. They're not kids. <laughs> They're not kids. But yeah, it's, and it's been amazing. Um, uh, but I will be transitioning to be the assistant minister of community life at St. Luke's in Orlando, St. Mm-hmm. Luke's UMC in Orlando. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, as you go into this next phase and also yeah. as, as you've been at tech, um, wh- where does poetry fit into this? I think poetry fits in when I'm asked to write a liturgy. Poetry fits in when I want to get a point across that maybe just saying a thing straight won't mm. won't, won't won't communicate what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, I want to move into a place where maybe there's a little bit of poetry in every sermon I write, whether mm. it's at the beginning or the end or somewhere in the middle, right? Um. But uh, I think as long as I'm doing things uh, that are supposed to be expressive, poetry will be intertwined. Mm. Yeah. Does poetry reach into places that the church can't? For sure. Yeah. For sure. I've definitely been in rooms where traditionally 
traditional expressions of Christianity would not have been welcomed. Mm. Uh, that were that were full of poets, mm-hmm. right? That had had experiences. Some of them Christians, some of them not. Yeah. Right? Some I mean, were, were practicing Christian. I guess I right. don't know what I mean to say. Poetry has a place everywhere. You think about, I mean, music is poetry. Or lyrical music is poetry, yeah. right? Uh, and there, the church has shot itself in the foot in a lot of ways mm. with with the, its exclusive, exclusive and yeah. hateful practices yeah. uh, for a long time. Um, and I think that poetry doesn't have that baggage. Yeah, I think poetry is expression, and everybody needs to express something. Hmm. Right. And so I think poetry happens when we don't even expect it to. But I think yeah. oftentimes faith is something that we have to intentionally tap into. Yeah. Uh, it's not always. Yeah. But sometimes faith is something we have to intentionally tap into uh, to, to be in that space and to be there intentionally. Poetry, I think, sometimes happens unintentionally, whether you're just having a thought um, and you just want to tell your daughter how much you love her. Mm. Right. That that can be poetry. It makes me think of the poem you mentioned earlier about a breakup that was really about communion, right? Yeah. And these phrases that were deeply theological, biblical, scriptural, ecclesial phrases that came out of you just naturally. Um, And I'm curious, like, so if if a a poem like that, that really is religious, even if you're not quite connecting the dots as you're creating it, how would have you been have you recited a poem like that in a context where it's been non-church people and how have they responded to that kind of linguistic you, you know what um i have and they identify the the uh the the thread of faith yeah in it too yeah and most of the time it's appreciated i've never okay. really had a person come to me and say hey that sucked because Jesus. You know what I mean? Like that, that hasn't been my experience. All kinds of people, even people who haven't had a personal experience with Christianity are able to see like, oh yeah, that's that one thing that one guy did raising from the dead. Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like, I feel like that's, that, that is more and more true in artistic circles that, that even people who have been damaged by faith, yeah, if you're coming into it authentically with where you're receiving what they are giving mm-hmm. and then you're giving authentically of yourself, they're lovingly receptive of that yeah art for sure um i think that there's an openness happening in a lot of circles outside of the church that i don't see happening in the church Mm. where even still like where you will have people that are that don't necessarily rock with christianity Mm -hmm. but because of the thought and the skill that you put behind what you're writing they appreciate it yeah and they'll let you know yeah right um and i also feel like a lot of a lot of circles that focus on poetry are meritocracies interesting and so yeah i mean meritocracies i mean but but they have a heart yeah i haven't really been you know i I wouldn't say that i am a part of the poetry scene in atlanta but i've been in a lot of the rooms right and i can tell that they're tight-knit communities with a heart so there's room for failure. Oh, for sure. There's forgiveness and grace. For sure. Or or if like some, somebody presents something that's not necessarily, uh, they don't necessarily display the most skill. It's yeah. like, I see that you're bearing your heart here and I appreciate that. Thank mm. you for doing that in front of all these people. Wow. Right. Because um, if nothing else, I can relate to your experience and, and that may be an avenue to, for healing in, to some degree for me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I the the word meritocracy is such a rich word because I've often thought about how the church 
behaves as a meritocracy, but the merit is not based on skill. Huh. It's based on um, longevity. Huh. Uh, it's based on wealth. Huh. And I'm not talking about that. I, I'm not saying those are noble things. In fact, yeah, I'm yeah, saying they're sure. not at all. For sure. I think, I think it, I the, the idea of uh, uh, meritocracy based on longevity is interesting. It's like you can suck as long as you suck a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. As long as you keep coming as back. As long as you suck for a long time. If you are consistently, consistently awful. If you're consistently awful, you know, it works <laughs> out. I think that's an interesting idea. Jeremy Green on AIJ Cast. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick word. As always, I encourage you to check out the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com, where you'll find links to our artists, their news, events, and products. I also want to take a moment to encourage your support of AIJCast. With Thanksgiving just around the corner, we hope that AIJCast is one of those things for which you give thanks. And the only way that we can keep doing this podcast is through your support, financial and otherwise. So please do take a moment, go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on the link that says support. We also encourage you to support our artists. And one of the ways that you can do that is during this holiday season, taking some time to visit our shop where we have links to our artists' products. This includes music, photography, books, and so much more. Just go to our website and click on the link that says shop. I'm also excited to share with you a short video about AIJCast made by the Presbyterian Church USA through their 1001 New Worshiping Communities program. It's a fantastic snapshot that looks at why we do what we do. There's a link right there on our website. And as I've already said, you can find all of this information and much, much, much more at our website, AIJCast.com. And now back to more of our conversation with Jeremy Green. I've been a part of way more faith traditions and communities of faith where love and love is is the currency or the 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 the, the, the judgment of merit, mm. right? Where it's like, um, like I said, um, and, th- and that's always been my metric, right? Yeah, yeah. when I was so young, your grandfather, I, yeah. I, yeah, I identified like, oh man, this must be what being a Christian is about. For people to be around you and know that you love them that yeah. ha- that must be what it is right yeah. and so there's always kind of man, what a gift thing, right i would listen and i think that so last time we talked we talked about comics a little bit yeah about and comic I, books yeah and i've always framed because i was kind of identified as like the oh you're the new bishop green when i was a little kid um and so growing up like as a matter of fact like it was it was to the point where at my grandfather's funeral um there was there were people coming up to me talking about needing to we need to talk about your future in this church you know what i mean which was no a weird pressure, thing yeah. but no very much at a, at, a, at, a, at a very hard time for me yeah there were people coming to me talking about a career in ministry and that's not what i wanted to talk about at the time no. but but th- talking about grandfather's superpower of of letting people know that they're loved um I always felt uh, like I had like huge shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but also like he was kind of this picture of um, <clears throat> of masculinity from his time, right? Yeah. So he built his house, right? Wow. <laughs> he built his house. He had like six kids. He um, was always early for everything. He did all the if any. He wasn't uh, a pastor who um, said, uh, "All right, the deacons need to go do this." He was with the deacons, yeah. lifting up the pool for baptism, yeah, 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 and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. He was always yeah. involved in working with the hands on, this, yeah, yeah. He was this picture of masculinity from his time, sure. Right? He was always uh, hands on, and 
All you had to do was call him and he was on his way. Mm. Right? So somebody mm. said, somebody broke into my house. We need to patch the window. He was on his way. Yeah. Before, almost before you could hang up the phone. He yeah, was on yeah. his way. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and so when I when I think about the, uh, when I think about changing ideas about masculinity yeah. and who I am versus who he is, yeah. um, uh, even even before we get to that, though, I've always kind of thought about my relationship with my grandfather in terms of like Superman and Superboy. Um, and so you have Superman, and we we know who Superman is. Like it's impossible not to know he's the archetype for all superheroes, yeah. literally, right? Yeah. And then you have uh, Superboy, which is um, a character that came about in the '90s, right? Where he's a clone of Superman and uh, Lex Luthor, at least their DNA combined, right? Mm-hmm. And he he's he's being cloned so to be used used as a weapon against Superman, mm-hmm. right? But halfway through his maturation. He, uh, he's taken out of the pod that he's that he's being grown in, and so he's his maturation has stopped at like sixteen, mm. and so he will be sixteen year old, sixteen years old forever. So he's like a nineties version of Peter Pan. Okay, okay, right. Um, so with that, he doesn't all of his Kryptonian powers have informed, so he cannot fly. He does not have laser vision or any of those things, and so part of his um task is to a um because he's not accepted by superman that's one thing right but also he doesn't have all his powers but he looks exactly like him Mm. right he sounds exactly like him Mm -hmm. right trying to uh carve out his own niche and his own Own path and that's kind of been very much my own journey because i just i had to realize at some point like i look i'm not my grandfather and and it it was it wasn't as hard for me to accept that as it was for other people other people yeah yeah um but i i do have superpowers we won't I don't know. We maybe we might uncover some of those as we talk, but like it, it's not exactly what his powers were. Yeah. It's not exactly what his specialty and what his focus and what his passion was. Yeah. Like our theology is so different, right? Uh, and they kind of play up like the difference between Superman and Superboy in the way that like Superboy doesn't have a cape; he has a leather jacket. Okay, right, okay, <laughs> right? Um, which is kind of a very nineties yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. Um, uh, but like we we have stark differences as far as the way that we view a lot of things mm. uh, theologically. I would actually love to have been able to like go back in time and mm. have a theological conversation with my grandfather like in his prime, like in his forties. Right, it would have been really cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of been my perspective. And like, I guess comics and nerd stuff is also sure. a lens that I use to to view and understand life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think what you just described is don't be weak. <laughs> Maybe. Finding Maybe. your own superpowers, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Which are? Um, I don't know. I think I have some of some version of that thing he had where people know they're loved. I, I don't. I won't assert to that everyone That's around me. That's been my experience. Up. Yeah, but <laughs> I appreciate. Yeah, that. I'm serious. Um, yeah. More, more than anything, I think that I'm personable, and I can almost walk in any room and have a conversation with anybody. Mm. Um, and I think that that does come from watching him mm-hmm. walk into so many rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget. I think it's Sammy Davis Jr. who said. Um, they asked him, how does he do what he do? How did he perform at such a high level? He said, the hardest thing for me is walking into the room and walking out of the room. Everything else is gravy. Wow. Um, and so I think I do think that the idea of walking into a room with people and how you hold yourself and how you present yourself to uh, just from, from the first couple of seconds of interacting with them, let them know that you are here for them, that you love them. That can be a difficult thing sometimes. Um, but sometimes you just, it, it's just as easy as breathing yeah sometimes it is um, wow i think that's interesting so you are a self-identified nerd oh for sure what the heck was that it sounded like a pipe dropping that was the taco bell app and like yeah. it like i don't know if you ever watched professional wrestling yeah but like you know like when the undertaker comes out, it's the same sound it's just a 
Dome, you know what I mean? And I just think it's like my phone rings. It's for him the bell tolls. And exactly, and I just think about a thing, but it's just trying to tell me about Crunch Rap Supremes. It's just trying to tell me about Crunchy, you know what I'm saying? Gordito raps, you know what I mean? Uh, and I just think that's real I think that's the funniest thing oh, in the world. Man. All right, let's talk about Nerd Church. <laughs> yeah. So there's some other North Georgia clergy that I go to Dragon Con with each year. And inevitably, every year at Dragon Con, we have this conversation where we say, we look at each other and we kind of sigh with this kind of melancholy thing. like, And we just say, the church could learn so much from Dragon Con. Mm. Um, at Dragon Con, what you see is thousands of people coming from all over the world, all right. over the country, right, to celebrate parts of themselves that in other contexts aren't accepted. They're just parts letting their freak flag fly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, like you talk about like even though being a nerd quote unquote has become like a more popular thing like for those who are a little bit older right than than, yeah. than today's current generation or whatever like uh there are people who are ridiculed just for playing D and D. but but even so i yeah i you're right nerdum is kind of coming to its own but yeah. it's also the nerdum that is okay in broader society is yeah. a, is a it's got the disney sheen on it huh say more um uh you know I mean, true nerddom, like deep, 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 deep dives into yeah. one thing. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't know, think so. I don't know that I agree with that. Okay. Just, because, just from the perspective that I think one of the things that made nerddom such a, like for folks who are a little bit older, and I kind of, the tail end of getting stuffed in your locker yeah. was probably when, when I was in high school. And, <laughs> and I don't mean to say that, that bullying doesn't still exist. It's, sure, kind of, it's yeah, evolved yeah, yeah, into yeah, yeah, other yeah, things, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that put like a huge target on the back of nerds yeah. is that nerddom and the current culture haven't always fit into okay. this puzzle yeah. in this type of way. But I yeah. think that people who identify as nerds and are younger have become way better at engaging the current culture. Mm, right. Okay, okay. So like, okay. I think that it may have been a thing and I wasn't there. I don't know what the eighties were like. I don't know when I picture an eighties nerd in my head, I see somebody who had like, uh, who was wearing a buttered down shirt yeah. on a Wednesday, buttoned all the way to the top, right. Tucked into random corduroy pants. Yep. Which were too were, short. That's were too short. They were, they were in the water, right. Mm -hmm. With like, I don't know, some hard bottom shoes on. like With some, some extra grease in the hair. Tap dancing shoes. That's what I see in my yeah, yeah, head, yeah. right? Bra uh, braces or like even like a like a, like a a mouth guard kind of thing going yeah. around here. Yeah. And so I just think You that... just described me in seventh grade. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm so sorry. I, it's, not, it's not triggering at all. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I but, embraced it. Oh, I, oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that I think that maybe a nerd today doesn't necessarily look like that. Right? Mm. And so you might not know, especially when you have something that kind of like I think Twilight was big when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you had a lot of people who didn't necessarily look like that getting interested in fantasy okay. through like just using that as like a pipeline okay. towards fantasy. And it, and it didn't stop at Twilight. It went further into That's different things. Like that. It's, it's like Harry Potter. I, oh, Harry Potter sure. opened opened it up. It made reading cool. Yeah. It made nerdum cool. Yeah. Okay. So when you talk about that, like yeah. Harry Potter, if you walk into the room and talk about Harry Potter, especially from a certain age group down, yeah. right? You got ninety percent of people who are going to be willing to have a conversation they're about what, tell you how which house they're in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, those kind of things, I think, made nerdum accessible. Interesting. And I think that there's something about nerdum being infused with uh, intellect. Yeah. 
that uh, kind of being smart wasn't cool for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, Unless you were a combination intelligent, like, jock type situation. Right, right, you know right, what I mean? Right, like, that yeah, kind of... Student body president exactly, slash valedictorian. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's all interesting. But we were saying that we go to Dragon Con, and we have this realization, like, the church could learn so much about acceptance and about letting people be their true authentic yes. selves. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and I, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. interesting when you're, when you're at a convention where everybody's dressed up as somebody else. Right. Right. And you say, huh, the learn the church could learn a lot about mm. letting people be their authentic selves from this thing here. Right. Yeah. And so we had this idea because I think the thing that draws people towards certain fandoms is story. Right. How they can use story to, as an escape, mm-hmm. how they see stories of uh, the stories told in these fandoms as parallel with their stories right? can reframe the way we yeah. see the world yeah exactly it's a lens yeah right yeah. Yeah. like um another lens um and so we had the idea of what if we created an experience or a worshiping community that looked at stories of fandom right but also people's personal stories mm-hmm. and also the story that is christianity right and create a Venn diagram and see where those things overlap and how mm. it can be meaningful. And so, um, those folks, those folks, um, uh, are up in DC's John Brown and Katie Hinman, um, a husband and wife there out in DC and they'll be starting soon, uh, nerd church DC. And mm. the hope uh, for me in this new position is to, uh, begin nerd church Orlando. Right. Um, and so we'll have those kind of two worshiping communities, even still being in communication with each other to see how um, effective we're being and how we can meet needs mm-hmm. in those communities. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And you're going to be in Orlando right near Potter World. 100%. I mean, and you're Disney, right? And Disney. Uh, those stories are important. Yeah. And they're meaningful and, yeah. they, and they are wide reaching, right? Yeah. yeah so absolutely. if we can, if you can look at another human being and say, you have a story just like I have a story, right? And then you have all these other stories that have been uh, created in the minds of these super um, inspired people. Like, who who knows where we can get when we stack all those things on top of each other and right. we just explore. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, if you had a charge for people who are listening, what would it be? Whatever you... I guess I'd say that whatever you think is lacking in the world, be that. And if you can't be that, find a way to encourage someone to be that. Jeremy Green, thanks for being on AIJCast. I appreciate you. It was fun. Jeremy Green on AIJCast. As these episodes are released, he is not quite yet, but will soon be at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Orlando, Florida, where you will be able to find him on their website, lukes.org. On our next episode, Sister Helen Holy. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We can only do what we do because of your support. So please, please take a moment. Go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on that link that says support. We also have some cool and stylish ways to support us by buying some AIJCast swag, a portion of which goes to support our work. And you can find those things on the shop link on our website. And we do love to link up with you on social media. You can find us there on a number of platforms. Our handle is AIJCast. Our theme song is written and recorded by the band Mard Fame. Photography support comes from Ely at eleyphoto.com. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by our resident jester, Al Mudif. I asked Al how he would describe his favorite band in the world, Petra. Rock with Christianity. And I'm your host, Marthame Sanders, encouraging you to go and create some beauty of your own. Peace! Hey!